shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. friend or welcome for the first time. I'm Orion Kelly, that autistic guy, and this is my podcast, My Friend Autism. So thank you so much for being here, whether you're watching my video podcast on my YouTube channel or whether you're listening to it, wherever you get your podcasts, it's great to have you along. If you're wondering what it's all about, well, I'm just all about helping you raise your level of understanding, acceptance and appreciation of the autistic community. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, you should join my community. I've got a YouTube channel, Orion Kelly, That Autistic Guy, with all my videos on neurodivergent-related stuff. And I've got this channel, my YouTube podcast channel, with just video podcasts on YouTube. And you can also just check them out the standard podcast way. Either way, I really do appreciate you taking the time to learn some stuff and to be here and to hang out with me. I appreciate that. And, you know, if you're autistic... You already know this stuff, so you're just here because you like to feel less alone. (laughs) And I'm up with that. All right, so what are we going to do today? This is a big one, I reckon, unmasking. Now, I want to explore the topic of unmasking, but specifically for late-diagnosed autistic people because my experience as a late-diagnosed autistic person, so someone who's diagnosed later in life and for me and for many others, it was certainly my experience as a result of, Having a kid who was diagnosed autistic and going through that process, alarm bells went off and, you know, it was clear. It's it's a tricky scenario to navigate the idea that, okay, so I thought, you know, I was just crap person, bad, broken, not, not right. And I've realized, actually, I've got a different brain. I'm actually different. I'm not broken or bad. I'm different. Okay, but what does that mean? Who, who have I been and who am I? And w- what even is me? These are all big questions and something that we all go through as late diagnosed autistic people. You may be neurotypical and you may have a partner, right? A wife, husband, partner, whatever, family member, friend who is late diagnosed. And you're trying to work out who, 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 who do they like or who, did I, who do I know? Or who is this person, right? It's about being authentic. That's what unmasking is. Unmasking is being authentic. So how can we do this? All right. I want to try and I want to try and help people. So I want to give some examples of, I guess you would class these as like practical everyday examples of challenges that a late diagnosed autistic person can face trying to unmask. God, there's a lot of those. Oh my goodness. There's a lot of those. How did I get so many? <laughs> There's a lot of challenges. Trust me. Strap yourself in. And I want to finish on some key strategies. So practical everyday strategies that you can use as a late diagnosed autistic person in unmasking or more appropriately in becoming your authentic self. While still remaining, you know, safe. So let's talk about unmasking for late diagnosed autistic people. Embracing authenticity. 
Now, I've gone through this journey, and I guess I can share with, with you again, my personal experiences, my insights, my practical advice to help you, to help those diagnosed later in life. So maybe this is common for me. In my 30s, I received my autism diagnosis as a result of my son. I found this validating. I found this overwhelming. I found this amazing and I found this bloody horrible. This isn't one or the other. So it explained so much about me as a person. It explained so much about how my life had gone. But it also meant looking back, I guess the idea of unmasking isn't the right way of putting it because you don't really realise that. There's no insight to that. But looking back and going, well, then who was this person? Or who was, who was this person trying to be? And who is the real me? It's about letting go of those expectations that I guess the community, your family or friends, society has placed upon you from birth, working out what they are for starters. What have I been doing to try to live up to these expectations, which never work anyway, and then embracing my true self. So one of the biggest challenges of being diagnosed later in life is obviously the mask, the mask we have put on, the mask we have worn for as long as we can remember. And why have we worn that mask for as long as we can remember? Because for as long as we can remember, we were born as a person who just didn't seem to fit in, a misfit, who other people just didn't get, didn't like, didn't want to be around, who interactions and experiences and challenges seem to always be worse than others, disproportionate to others. Well, that's, that's a big load to carry. Living your whole life, trying to be something else so you can fit in, but then realising it still doesn't work. So basically we've, we've spent, as, as late diagnosed autistic people, we've spent our life trying to be neurotypical, trying to be what people would class as, why can't you just be a normal person? Why can't you just act like everyone else? Why can't you just eat? Everyone else in the family eats. Why can't you just sit there like a normal kid? Right? Why can't you just talk to your workmates like everyone else does? A brain that isn't the same as a neurotypical brain trying to operate as a neurotypical brain. You don't need to be a doctor, a scientist, whatever, to know that that actually isn't possible. Yet we try. We try to camouflage our autistic traits. And, well, doesn't go so well. It's exhausting. It's draining. Years and years of trying to fit in. <laughs> trying to be someone we're not. But worse still, years of suppressing our true self. Pretending to be someone we're not. Pretending. So it's not even like we're trying in a respect that it's our goal. We want to be. It's where we're forced to pretend to be someone we're not. And that's that's worse, I reckon, than if you're like, oh no, I really want to be like this. I want to, you know, this is my this is my goal, my choice. It's not really a choice for an autistic person. It's a forced habit. You must pretend. You must try to be like the rest of us if you want to be accepted. So the expectations of the world around us it's it's overwhelming. It makes us question everything about ourselves, our our identity, our place in the world. Additionally, coping mechanisms that we've developed to navigate the world, they may have actually been deeply ingrained. In other words, 
Okay, so we realize there's something not right about us. We don't realize potentially we're autistic. We've developed things to help us navigate the idea that we, we realize we're different and people don't tend to like that. And we've got to work out ways we can navigate that, but also how we can deal with that. So we have these coping mechanisms, but they become so much a part of us, like muscle memory, right? You have these coping mechanisms, mechanisms that are so ingrained, you don't even know how to let go of them. You've got to work out what they are before you can even try to work them out and let go of them. So, and that's even if you know that's not you. So trying to let go of things that aren't your authentic self, that aren't true to you, isn't just about going, oh, I'm autistic, so I just won't do that anymore. No, no, it's like, that's, that's not how it works. Unmasking is not about losing yourself. See, this is the thing, right? Okay, so masking basically, it, it, to, in, all, in basic in basic terms, look at it like this. Some people like to call it masking, putting on a mask. Okay, and that can sound like, well, everyone does that to fit in, right? Yeah, but see, you understand the difference is from a neurotypical point of view, it's more like adding an additional superficial layer of, layer of clothing just to top off your already out-of-the-box look. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's, a, it's just dressing it up. It's superficial, right? It's cherry on top. For autistic people, it isn't a choice to dress it up, put a cherry on top. It isn't superficial, right? It, it is actually, it's actually, it's a demand to change everything about us, to take our entire outfit off and replace it with your outfit. That's the difference. Again, in basic terms, masking is in effect suppressing everything about your true autistic self. So trying to work out a way where you can actually physically control your brain to the point where you can stop being you in every situation which you know will be taken badly or go badly or, or result in a bad experience to be someone who isn't taken badly, who doesn't have bad experiences. Of course, that doesn't work. That's not possible. But it doesn't mean we don't do it every day, every day, every day. So masking really is just suppressing your true self. Now, again, I'm not interested in this argument that I hear from neurotypical people. Yeah, we all do that. We all suppress our true self. No. <laughs> so again, you're talking at a superficial level. A superficial level is very different to someone who has a different brain and doesn't even understand any of the levels. So doesn't understand the cherry on top. There's no, there's no level that's been addressed to be like you, nor can we be like you. Anyway, I don't need to continue to justify these arguments. They're, they're moronic. They're utterly moronic. Okay. Well, it's hard for me to walk up the stairs sometimes too. You know, there's lots and I get puffed. So, you know, like I know what it's like to, to use a wheelchair. We all, we all use, we, in, in the end, we all metaphorically use wheelchairs to get upstairs when we're puffing and it's hard. What are you talking about? <sighs> all right. So unmasking isn't about losing ourselves because what you're losing isn't you. It's about embracing your true self. Unmasking is taking away all the layers, all the suppression, all the, the built-in muscle memory things you've brought into play throughout your life to not be you, to be someone who can fit in, right? So we're not losing ourselves. We're finding ourselves. And I think that's a very hard challenge to navigate. But yes, please, let's be clear. Unmasking isn't losing yourself. It's embracing your true self. Your true autistic 
maybe neurodivergent identity, being proud of who you are, a person with a different brain. It's about understanding your differences, your strengths, certainly your challenges, your perspectives, your unique way of viewing the world, experiencing the world, because you've got a different brain. That's, only, that's just basic common sense. And it's about finding joy in those differences, in those challenges, in those strengths. It's about accepting yourself unapologetically, celebrating your authentic self, your authenticity. Great. Let's do that, Orion. How easy is that? It's bloody hard. That's why I've got like pages of challenges. It's bloody hard. So you get a late diagnosis. You know you're autistic. Okay, so that make, that's good. That's life-changing. A lot of adults often ask me what's the point, right? Well, the point is, in my opinion, you, f- you feel how you feel, which I know isn't good, and you can have your own words. You might feel out of place, broken, lost, bad, useless, you know, hated, whatever, born to suffer, born to fail, whatever. Okay, you get a diagnosis and you realize you're not that. You're a different person with a different brain and you can therefore navigate and and experiment through understanding you and not feel like that for the most part. doesn't mean it'll go away, but so there is a big benefit. All right, not easy. You're late diagnosed. You realize you've been playing some role, suppressing not only your true self, your true autistic self, but you've also been suppressing your own needs right? Your own wants and needs, the things for your own self-care, putting yourself last, putting on your oxygen mask last, not first. Can't help other people if you're dead. All right, examples. Just to, to prove, to show that it's great to embrace your authentic autistic self later in life and become authentic and stop suppressing, but there are many challenges. Here are some practical examples of challenges that late-diagnosed autistic people face when unmasking. Social exhaustion. Yes. All right, unmasking is mentally and emotionally exhausting. Now, why is that? Well, unmasking is masking. Huh? So to unmask, you have to first work out when you mask and how you mask. And trust me, late-diagnosed autistic people may never not mask. Autistic people may never get to the point where they can fully understand when they are suppressing and stop that. So what happens? You are constantly mentally and emotionally exhausted. Autistic people will often, you might think they seem sleepy and lazy and just slobs and like useless, unproductive nothingness. (laughs) That's a great one out on a t-shirt but in fact we are mentally and emotionally exhausted from trying to be someone we're not to fit into a world we weren't built for failing and then even try to work out well when we're doing this and how to not do it it's it, it, it's it's a vicious cycle so it requires constant effort constant mental and emotional and potentially actually not definitely physical effort to suppress or modify to water down our autistic traits and our autistic behaviours in social settings. So social exhaustion is a massive issue for unmasking. It leads to increased fatigue, anxiety, sensory overload, 
Sensory sensitivities is another one. So unmasking obviously can involve confronting sensory sensitivities that were previously masked. Let me explain. When you mask, you're trying to hide the fact you may be having a shutdown or a meltdown or you may be oversensitized, maybe overstimulated, maybe over or under stimulated from sensory input. Now, it's happening. There's noises, smells, sounds, people, environments that are affecting you in a way that's disproportionate to neurotypical or non-autistic people, yet you're hiding that impact to the best of your ability. So you fit in. So people don't judge you and kick you out. But that doesn't come for nothing. There's a cost involved. So <laughs> you're, you're now confronting it and trying to not mask how it makes you feel because you want to be yourself. You know what? Sometimes, you know what, you know, to your partner, to your friends, your family, you might go, you know, sometimes this kind of stuff can set me off. I'm not going to hide it anymore. So you guys will understand what gets me. But now you're putting yourself in that situation, it's obviously, and you're not masking it. You think, well, that should be better, right? Because you're not wasting energy on masking it. Yes, but now you're actually experiencing it amongst others, which can lead to a heightened sensitivity to noise, to lights, to textures, to smells. And coping with these sensory challenges can be overwhelming, therefore requiring new strategies for managing sensory loads. So the masking strategies of just suppressing how this makes you feel had an impact. But taking those away and letting it affect you and showing that, manifesting the effect, can actually have a greater effect on you, but also because you haven't masked it or suppressed it, it can therefore heighten the further sensory inputs. So you've got social situations, you've got sensory sensitivities that are all, in fact, harder, can actually be harder, impractical to not mask. Past experiences, another challenge. If you're a late diagnosed autistic person, trying to unmask, trying to be basically your true authentic self. Late diagnosed autistic people may need to revisit past experiences, past relationships through a now new lens. Before, I'm just a bad partner, right? I'm just not someone who people want to be friends with. I'm broken, I'm bad, I'm hated, I'm useless. But now the new lens is I'm reviewing past relationships, past experiences, going, oh, I was autistic because I'm diagnosed. You're born autistic. You die autistic. You don't get it later in life. I was born autistic. I wasn't a bad partner. I was an autistic partner unknowingly in a neurotypical relationship. So you're looking at all these things. You're going back through all your past, but it's through a whole new lens. You're understanding your neurodivergent identity now through that lens, viewing it and almost reliving these experiences in a completely different light. Now, this can be good and it can be bad. Obviously, it can involve processing past traumas, processing social misunderstandings that you've never recovered from. You know, like those things no one cares about. 
where you've, you've been in group settings or certain situations and you can't ever let it go on how, how bad it went due to something that wasn't like a misunderstanding. People took you the wrong way or, or thought you were saying the wrong thing or you reacted a certain way and you'll never recover from that. Like you act, it actually affects you deeply on how that affected others. They've forgotten about it. They've just they've forgotten about it, but they haven't forgotten that they just think you're an idiot or a douchebag or just a bad, crappy person, right? So these are big things to tackle. So we've got trauma, all the social misunderstandings, all the challenges you've had related to masking, which isn't so much about suppressing your autistic self if you weren't diagnosed, but about I'm just a crap person. I've got to work out ways to, for people to like me more. You go through all these things, what happens? It brings up so many, it's like a therapy session, so many unanswered questions, therefore leading to more support. You require more support, more reflection, self-reflection, you know, guided reflection, whatever. Keep in mind, as an autistic person, it's a given. I don't care who you are. If you're autistic, you have daily support needs. Sure, some have significantly more extensive or, or serious or severe or however you want to word it, care and support needs than others. That's absolutely right. But they're fluid and everyone's different. Executive function, another challenge for unmasking as a late-diagnosed autistic person. Now, you might know this by now, autistic people, struggle with executive function skills. So we're talking, you know, planning, organisation, time management, prioritising tasks. And just to quickly throw this out there so we can continue, for those that haven't heard me say this before, autism is a neurodevelopmental condition, disability, okay? It's not an intellectual. It's a neurodevelopmental. Now, executive function is a set of cognitive skills. The now, skills are things you develop. Cognitive, the brain. Autism, neurodevelopmental, the brain. <laughs> Developmental, developing skills. Challenge, condition, disability. Ah, oh, right, Orion. So it's pretty bloody obvious autistic people are going to have to work harder at developing their executive functioning skills. And as a rule, may be out of the gate, uh, much more challenged in nailing these types of skills, these types of cognitive skills, absolutely. Can they ever get to the level of others that aren't autistic? Probably not. Is it worth trying? Absolutely. I always tell my autistic son, mate, you don't just get good at something. Like if you want to be, if you want to do, be good at this sport or that or, or, or this skill, you can be. You just have to practice every day. And if you practice more every day than... Everyone else, which is actually really easy, by the way. People don't realize no one practices. Like even professional athletes only practice for as long as they have to, as, as deemed by their club or their coaching staff. And it's the greats of the sport that see that as just part of their practice. Their routine of practice is, is 24-7. Just because, you know, you're at the, at the sporting club or whatever and you're training time, great. But they might have been training in the morning prior and they might stay back and train after and they might then train after dinner or at nighttime or whatever. <clears throat> so it's actually very easy. If you want, if you can, if I can get this, give you this straight between the eyes, it's actually very easy to be better than just about anyone else on the planet at any skill. 
and it isn't about it isn't about your own level of just giftedness, right? No, it's actually very easy, and 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 when I say very easy, I mean excruciatingly hard, <laughs> but in a very easy way. You don't have to be gifted or a genius, right? Like, whoa, what a freak. They're so gifted in these skills. Rubbish. You just have to practice that particular skill more than anyone else. And again, that's very easy because humans are bloody crap at practicing stuff. It's just factual. And that's why the best of the best have a very simple reason. What's your secret? What's your secret of being so good? You know, the late, great Kobe Bryant, great example. What's your secret of being so good, Kobe? Are you just just gifted beyond the gods? No, he just practised more than everyone else. That's it, guys. He just practised more than everyone else. He just worked harder. Being gifted or a genius are irrelevant when it comes to practising more and working harder. So that was a massive rant. And I apologize and I'll stop now. But what I'm trying to say is executive functioning is really hard for autistic people because it's a cognitive skill. But no, no autistic people. It's not a pass to just be crap at it. No, you can be crap at it. That's fine. But don't whinge that you'll never get better at it. You have to practice. Anyway, you know, just sometimes I think there's a lot of autistic videos or YouTubers that all they do is just try to, I don't know, please other people. When I, I think, you know, as an autistic person, I want autistic people to have their best life. And you don't have your best life by people being around people to just, just try to please you. It's about challenging people. So, you, you, you know, I, I, it's just I want you to have your, your best life. And I, I believe there's something you want to do and you think you're not good at it. And I'm saying that's a load of crap. Oh, I've forgotten where I was. Okay, so unmasking can reveal your hidden challenges in executive functioning because, again, masking is a way of hiding or suppressing those traits, those challenges you have here, trying to gloss over them, <laughs> right? Well, if you take that away and you don't hide them anymore and they're there to be seen, it exposes you. But, of course, that then could possibly help you give you the kickstart you need to develop new strategies, new skills, and, of course, supports and accommodations that can be crucial for your daily functioning regarding executive function. So it works in many facets. Relationships, another challenge. Unmasking can impact your relationships. No, duh. Unmasking, becoming your true, authentic, autistic self <laughs> can impact your relationships, mate. No, it will. <laughs> Family, friends, peers, you know, workmates, whatever, enemies, whoever. You know, some autistic people are going to face challenges in explaining their late diagnosis to others. Managing reactions, misunderstandings, redefining who they are and their social interactions. So you've pretended to be something and not all your life, but everyone else didn't realise that. They think that's you. You've gone, actually, isn't me. I'm autistic. I'm very different to that. They're like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Because that would make them feel bad that somehow they didn't realise that or somehow they were, they were fooled or they, you know, and it, it's, it's all about guilt, I guess, by other people. So 
you know, unmasking is a challenge. This is about helping you unmask, right? But unmasking is a challenge on relationships. You tell me, you find me a late diagnosed autistic person that doesn't have at least some experience of pushback after diagnosis. And I have never met a person like that on the planet. And you would be providing me with someone who doesn't exist. And I would say, well done to you. Stigma's a big one, right? So you got a challenge for unmasking as a late diagnosed adult. Maybe you're a mum, a dad, maybe you're a, a, a boss. You know, there's so many different things. Like, well, what will this do? Right? Like, if I if I've if I'm of good standing with my partner or workplace or the community, and then I go, oh, by the way, I'm autistic. I've got a neurodevelopmental disability. You you don't think that will impact your standing? Well, it will, or I wouldn't be doing these videos and podcasts. If people respected autistic people, I wouldn't be doing these videos and podcasts. There's a stigma. It's, a, it's factual. There's a stigma and a discrimination from the community due to a lack of understanding, a lack of acceptance about autism, about neurodivergent people. You're going to be dealing with stigma and discrimination, and that's a challenge and that's a barrier to wanting to unmask in the first place. It doesn't just change relationships. It changes your experience with how you're viewed more broadly. Yes, you'll be more discriminated against. If you're a late-diagnosed autistic person and you want to be out and proud and and disclose and unmask, you will be discriminated against. If you don't think you'll be discriminated against, you're living in a fantasy world. So you'll face stigma and discrimination, negative attitudes, misconceptions, biases. What do you got to do? Well, now you've suddenly got to be an advocate for yourself. An advocate for yourself. Do you know how hard it is to advocate for yourself? It's really hard. Trying to advocate for your kid and yourself when it's not something that you'd need a course just about, right? Now people go, well, hang on, you're good at it. Yeah, I actually went, I actually like studied law at uni. I didn't graduate. I didn't finish. Simply isn't a system built for autistic people. I'm just saying it because that that is law school, teaching how to advocate in a more, I don't know, professional manner. So I actually practice that skill over and over to get good at it. So don't give me this crap that I'm good at it, you know, like, well, then we should be too. No, it's hard. It's another barrier, another massive challenge. Anxiety and uncertainty is a big challenge in your want to unmask. Because unmasking is exposing yourself. It's being vulnerable, right? And people go, this is the key to success in life. And I agree but it's, it's the hardest thing to do, exposing yourself, being vulnerable. So that's going to trigger anxiety, uncertainty, right? It's going to make you feel a bit iffy, a bit unsafe, yeah, about the future. You might have to navigate unknown territories, face new challenges because of who you are, who you were. Well, that's going to affect your mental health. You see what I mean how there's so many challenges? This this is just my, I've got key strategies. This is just my list of why it's hard to unmask as a late diagnosed autistic person. This could be the longest podcast I've ever done. I don't, I don't, I mean, now I've got so much to tell you guys. Your self-esteem and self-acceptance, another big barrier. See, unmasking involves confronting your own, now listen, your own ableism, your own internalized ableism, shame and self-doubt related to being autistic. 
Huh? What are you saying, Orion? Autistic people are constantly calling out people saying you're being ableist, right? You're, 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 that's just so ableist, ableism. You know, I don't want to get into like overdone conversations, but basically, you know, if you've got neurotypical people that are telling autistic people to, in effect, just be like everyone else, we all have to do it, just do it like everyone else without kind of taking into consideration the fact they have a condition, a disability, they're different. They can't do it like everyone else. It's ableism, right? It's this this idea they're looking they're, they're looking through the disability and just saying, yeah, but you're still, you know, we're all the same. Like, just do it, mate. Whatever. It's not my problem. Just get on with it. Just be normal, mate. Just do life. And here's the thing. Yes, I am saying to you that you, as a late-diagnosed autistic person, you might be get very huffy and puffy about ableist people. In fact, internally are ableist. On yourself. Factual. Take it. Take it. Take it on the chin, champ, because it's coming right at you again. You are ableist of yourself. You're an internal ableist, mate, of yourself. And you've got to get past that. You don't accept yourself. Like, you know, you're, you're grateful for the diagnosis and you hope the world accepts you and you're, and you're angry they won't. But you know what? You don't accept you. So get over it, mate. Why would the world accept you if you don't? That's another barrier. This is an experience of autistic people. You've got to build your own self-esteem by accepting yourself. It starts with you, mate. Your own self-acceptance. You have to embrace your own neurodivergent autistic identity. How? Just practice some self-compassion, mate. Just practice some self-care. Start with you. But it's a massive challenge. And, you know, sometimes... People hear that and they're like, whoa, that's deep. I can't believe it. I think I am an ableist of myself. I'm, I, I yell at these people. But I am. It's a big one to digest. Unmasking can lead to the need for accommodations, for supports, because autistic people have daily support needs. And this flows into every part of your life. So if you unmask and disclose, you're therefore looking at providing better supports for yourself, better accommodations in all aspects of your life. It could be at home, education, employment, healthcare, social situations. But then you've got to learn to advocate for yourself and you've got to know your needs. You've got to understand your rights, know where the resources are, navigate the system, navigate institutions. Massive challenge for late-diagnosed autistic individuals. Hence, a barrier to unmasking because it's all just too bloody hard. Career choice. Unmasking may lead to a re-evaluation of your career choices and professional aspirations. I hear this a lot. Late-diagnosed autistic people had this career and it got to the point where there was a diagnosis and probably a big burnout from all these years of, of masking and suppressing, going undiagnosed, and they can no longer do their job or they can no longer do their career. And they completely change their whole trajectory. Their career choice is questioned to the point where they're like, I, don't, I can't do this anymore. I can't work in an, in an office or with other people. I've got to work alone or I'll do something new for me. Or, you know, and it's just, it's a, it's a complete life change. You're reevaluating your entire career. You know, late diagnosed autistic people, they have to navigate these challenges related to employment, disclosing to employers, requesting accommodations, and finding a work environment that aligns with their needs. That might not exist. Hence, 
Unmasking, disclosing, embracing is a, it has a big barrier of, yes, but what will that do to my career, my job, my livelihood? Meltdowns and shutdowns. Unmasking can reveal previously hidden sensory challenges as we've already talked about, but they can get to the point where you'll actually melt down or shut down. Now, this can be distressing and disruptive. So if you're not masking anymore, you are allowing yourself to shut down or melt down. Right? You're not suppressing that urge and then having some massive meltdown or burnout when there's no one around. So that, and that comes at a cost. So you have to develop strategies, new strategies, not suppressing, to manage that sensory overload and understand your sensory triggers and keep yourself regulated. But, of course, they might be things that are also visually curious to others, the stimming and that kind of stuff. So it's another, it's another massive barrier for being yourself. You just keep on suppressing. I, I, just want this en- I just want these challenges to end. I'm sick of this list already. It's like there's so many. It's depressing. Self-care. I, I just want to get through this list. Just a couple more. Self-care. Unmasking can involve balancing the need for self-care with the desire to advocate for autism acceptance and understanding. So late-diagnosed autistic people may need to balance in other words, find a balance is probably more appropriate between taking care of yourself, self-care, and advocating for your needs, even just for the overall autistic community's needs, like in the inclusive needs of neurodivergent communities. So you unmask and you become more, you become more outspoken and, and you advocate, but then what drops off is your own self-care. That's a big balancing act, big barrier. Navigating healthcare, oh my goodness. So when you unmask, it can lead to seeking healthcare. So it leads to you going out and going, I'm autistic, what's out there that can help me live my best life, improve my quality of life? Therapy services. You might want to address things like mental health, sensory challenges, you know, other physical challenges. Like you might want to see a physio if you might have balance issues or muscle tone issues or other things. Late diagnosed autistic people can face challenges in finding healthcare professionals who actually understand neurodivergent people, neurodivergent needs. Like there can actually be people in the field like allied health, OTs, physios, speech pathologists, therapists, psychologists, all these kind of things I think are really important for autistic people. But they have no idea how to interact, how to help autistic people. They want to. And they've been taught a certain way, but it's not the right way. And they don't know how to find the right way. And then, so it's actually hard to find people that can actually help you. They can actually, and this is important, they can provide you with appropriate support, services, and accommodations. Keeping in mind, you're paying for this. You're paying for this. You can tell them, this doesn't work for me. It's your job to find stuff that works for me because you're taking my money to provide a service. If you want to provide a service, take my money. You need to provide a service that's appropriate to me. Last one, then I've got key strategies. Thank God. How many challenges do you need to be yourself? Setbacks. Unmasking can be a challenging process. Well, late diagnosed autistic people are going to face many setbacks and many obstacles along the way to embracing their authentic self. Social rejection. Setbacks in your personal and professional life. Struggling with self-acceptance. So basically... Everything we just talked about builds up 
Developing resilience and self-compassion and coping strategies can be important in navigating these types of setbacks, which is a perfect lead-in to key strategies. Practical key strategies that can help late-diagnosed autistic people unmask and embrace their authentic self. Self-education, my friends, it should never end. Late-diagnosed autistic individuals can benefit from learning about autism. Just because you're autistic doesn't mean you magically get anointed with all the skills and knowledge of autism, because you don't. You need to get to know it every day until you're dead, right? Get to know it. Characteristics, your strengths, your challenges. Providing yourself with a better understanding of your own neurodivergence, your own autistic identity, will help you embrace your authentic autistic self. I know, this is a perfect example. When I started doing content, I had an autistic son, I got diagnosed, I thought I've got to fix this, this, like this is crap, this world for my son. If you're an autistic person, I just, I don't know, I'm blown away by how little people know or understand or get. I've got to do my best to do something about it, right? I did not know anything about it. And every video and every podcast I did, I learned more. And every day I still learn more. I guarantee I could watch, I'm not going to, because that would be the worst thing I could ever think of. I could watch videos, listen to podcasts from the first year I started doing it. And I would cringe and I would hate it. I would hate some of the phrases or words I used or not even knowing, or even just the generalized knowledge. But you know what? That's the start. That's the start. Every day I try to learn more. And that's really important. That's a key strategy to help you unmasking. The more you educate yourself, the more you learn, the better you are at unmasking and being able to navigate all the challenges, all the barriers that are thrown up. Self-reflection. So encouraging self-reflection. Introspection. Is that a word? Introspection. Anyway. And it sounds like if you know if you had like a landlord, you need to sell a space, and that was like the six-monthly inspection. It's like, what's happening? Oh, it's a six-monthly introspection. Doesn't make any sense. This helps, this helps like diagnosed autistic people explore their thoughts, their feelings, their experiences related to unmasking. You're, you're, you're journaling, you're self-reflecting, you're having your own little therapy sessions, right? And I've just given you an example. You could journal. You could meditate. Talk to yourself. Talk to a friend. Talk to a therapist. Just gain insights. Talk yourself through yourself. Setting boundaries is a great a great strategy to unmask because unmasking, right? It can involve setting healthy boundaries with others. You're saying, I, I'm autistic. I'm not going to pretend to be someone I'm not. It's important to understand that I'm autistic. I have strengths and challenges and I now know those. And therefore these are the boundaries there. I am re I am, I'm redrawing the lines. It's a lot to get through, Right. Well, you know, late diagnosed autistic people have to learn to say no when they're uncomfortable or overwhelmed and communicate their needs and preferences assertively to avoid masking behaviours. This is a big one for me. Early on when I started doing all this, it was very hard for me to say no. Like people started to want to, you know, connect. They, they might have wanted to email me or send me a message on a social platform or organisations might wanted to, you know, engage with me to get me to, to do talks or do things with them. 
And I didn't understand that I could say no because a lot of these things created a big load, a big mental load or a sensory load or they were, they were experiences that I really wasn't prepared for or was overwhelmed or didn't get anything. And, and as a result, almost all these experiences I, well, I'd end with just feeling horrible as in like I did really badly, that was crap, I, I, I really uh, I can't. I just hate myself and, 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 you know, that might not have been the case for those people. But so they never, I never had a good experience at the end. Not that I'm saying it was because of them. It was, it was just because I put myself in a scenario I shouldn't have put myself in because I, could, I couldn't say no. you got to say no. And I've had a realisation really recently after I've just been doing, you know, so many um, things for organisations and government bodies and different things and have finally got to the point where I've realised that um, – they don't really care. <laughs> they pay your money, you chat for a bit, in one ear, out the other, or you realise, oh, I was just doing this as like a box to be ticked, right? Or are oh, they using me to somehow make them look better, but they don't really care what I say, or that you know, like it's I just and so I've decided it's a blanket no. <laughs> I'm gonna make videos and podcasts and content, I've got my book, and that's me. When it comes to doing events and talking to people about things or trying to help, you know, help organizations or government bodies, it's a blanket no. You've got you've just got to develop that. Boundaries are so important. You've got to find your community. You've got to find your tribe, my friend, your neuro tribe. Late diagnosed autistic people can benefit from seeking support from other autistic people. This could be support groups, this could be online communities, online chats, whatever. And so you know, and that's the thing with autistic people and young autistic people. I, sometimes I'm, I'm scared for them on these online communities because autistic people can be. And there's lots of mate crime, right? Crime, as in where people take advantage of you because they know of your challenges, your vulnerabilities. So it's a, but it is really important, and you've got to find your tribe. I can't tell you how to find it or where to find it because it's different for everyone. What I'm saying is. You've got to find people you can connect with, that you share similar experiences with, that resonate with you. Now, I found like just on my YouTube community alone, and when I say community, I mean like I don't mean like paid. I mean people that watch my videos and comment, people that go to my live streams. That's my community. I find you know, that is an actual community because we can talk to each other and it resonates. It makes sense. It clicks. That hasn't been my experience in life for a very long time. It's an extremely uh, invaluable community to have because you get validation, understanding, encouragement. That helps you unmask, which is really important. Self-compassion, as we talked about, you know, it's, it's going to be really challenging unmasking. Right? Late diagnosed autistic people, you're going you're gonna to feel all sorts of things. You might feel shame or guilt, self-doubt. You might feel bloody angry. It's taken this long to find out the truth about you and you're really upset about it and angry and yeah. You've still got to be compassionate to yourself. Take care of yourself. Treating yourself with kindness, understanding, acceptance, acknowledging it's okay to be your true self. Ironically, that's what we want the world to give to us, yet autistic people find it harder to give that to themselves than probably the world. <laughs> that's the irony of it, the autistic paradox. Be kind to myself, get stuffed, accept myself, whatever. <laughs> Coping strategies are going to help you too to unmask. You identify 
and you develop your coping strategies for everything that you know you have challenges in. This could be sensory overload, social interactions and communication, your social challenges. It could be employment. It could be the types of activities you like to do, restrictive or repetitive behaviours you find a part of your life. You've, you've got to work it out for yourself and you've got to develop coping strategies, things that will actually help you. Does that make sense? Not help others feel good about themselves, help you. Coping strategies that don't help you hide from others, coping strategies that help you have a better quality of life. Take breaks. Use sensory tools. Relax more. Practice relaxing techniques if that's easier for you. Find ways to help you regulate yourself. Reduce your overwhelm. Promote alone time and, and time on your passions and special interests. Super important. Advocating for accommodations is something you really need to get to the bottom of, okay? Because late-diagnosed autistic people, they've been through their whole life with no supports and accommodations. But now with a diagnosis, it's, in many ways, it's something that you're legally required to receive. It's something that's part of how society works. You've got a disability. We're here to support you. How can we support you? Now, that isn't the case, doesn't in reality. But you've got to look at in the different, different settings that you're challenged. It could be at work. It could be at school. Could be at home in social situations. So you've got to work out what you need and you've got to advocate for those needs. Because it's something that you actually, it's not about deserving it, it's something that you're entitled to. Might be sensory friendly environments, modified communication with family and friends, could be accommodations at workplace and school that align with your particular autistic or neurodivergent needs. They're not doing you a favour, by the way. They're full of crap if I try to say that to you. You've got to accept yourself. You've got to embrace yourself. I know you're not going to. That's okay. I'm just saying it. <laughs> Encouraging self-acceptance and self-love is crucial if you want to unmask and be your true autistic self, and I get it. You know, will we ever like ourselves and love ourselves? Probably not. I don't know. But you, you've got to learn to try and appreciate and celebrate you for who you are, right? Your traits, your strengths, your challenges, your unique perspective, your view on the world, your different brain. You've got to celebrate progress, celebrate the wins, no matter how small they are. You've got to recognize and celebrate the progress you've made in your unmasking journey, in embracing yourself bit by bit. Might take a whole lifetime, but celebrate every little time you realize, oh, I'm being more me in this situation now than I used to be. Celebrate it. It's important. You know what it does? It actually makes you feel good and that provides motivation and that reinforces that you're doing the right thing. And, you know, late diagnosed autistic people, you know, you could acknowledge and celebrate each step that you take towards embracing your true self, no matter how small it is. So don't ever miss out on an opportunity. You've also got to emphasize your strengths got to identify and focus on your unique strengths, talents, abilities. This is going to boost your self-esteem, right, and your confidence. Because if you actually focus on the things you love and the things you're good at, your talents, your abilities, the good stuff, you're going to feel better. Emphasizing your strengths helps you recognize your value to the world, a world that disvalued you for being different. 
You're valuing yourself beyond the expectations of society, beyond the expected masking behaviours of society. Big one. Now, we talked about this briefly, and I just want to mention this again. You have to challenge your internalised ableism. You may well have internalised societal messages. Inside you, you've, it's like brainwashed in a way, right? You've got, you're built with the same stuff inside you that everyone else has grown up with. That view autism as a deficit, something to be ashamed of, something to keep quiet. You've got to challenge and reframe these negative beliefs. You've just got to. <laughs> that's not true about autism. So what are you still embracing it for? Why do you still? No, that's not right, mate. You see what I'm saying? It's not right. It's, 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 not, it's not a deficit or something to be ashamed of. It's a difference. It's a condition. Absolutely people, I mean, medically diagnosed disability, guys. There's going to be good stuff and there's going to be bad stuff. But you've got to challenge the person inside you that was taught from an early age, ableism, how to view people that are different. And that's, that's super important. What it does is it just helps you embrace your authentic self. You've got to embrace sensory self-care. You can develop sensory self-care routines, things that prioritize your sensory well-being. So breaks, right, from things from environments, some you know, sensory breaks. Find more ways to make your house or your workspace more sensory friendly for you. This doesn't have to sound like guru and artsy, and it just means practical stuff that helps you feel more comfortable, more regulated. And use sensory tools. It's ridiculous. If someone says you can't use a sensory tool and, you, and you, you've diagnosed and disclosed your autistic, they're breaking the law. So, yeah, take that. <laughs> this key strategy is about cultivating your self-identity. So, as a late-diagnosed autistic person, explore and cultivate your unique self-identity as an autistic person. Right? Explore it. Cultivate it. So, grow it. Work it out. Get to come to terms with it. Get to know it. Who are you? Who, who really are you, this beautiful, different autistic person? Again, how do you do that? You can reflect. Reflect. Ask yourself, what are my values? What, 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 what do I actually value or find important as a person and in life? What are my interests? What are my passions? What do I love doing? What do I want to do that I love doing? What's my sense of self? As in not through the lens of the expectations of society, of the world, what's your actual sense of self? Because that, that's the thing. When we look at ourselves, we look at ourselves through the lens of we have to mask and not be autistic and this is what society demands of us. That's not the lens to look through. You've got to build a strong self-identity and this identity is an identity that embraces and helps you, at least helps you embrace your authentic self. And that, my friends, is hopefully how you, a late-diagnosed autistic adult or someone who knows one, can unmask and be their true, authentic autistic self. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Catch up on all the episodes at orionkelly.com.au. Hey, you guys. Amazing. I want to thank you so much for watching or listening to my podcast, My Friend Autism. Thank you for your support until my next podcast or video on YouTube. <laughs> Thanks for watching and listening, and we'll talk soon. 
You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and binge all the podcasts, blogs and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.